Welcome to the Knowing God Podcast. The hope of this podcast is that it would help you to know the Word of God so that you may ultimately know God. I'm your host, Andrew Rutten. Okay, let's jump right into our passage for today. We've got two verses, but a lot of content to cover. Um, I'm prayerful that this is going to be a helpful episode. So let's jump right in. Let me read Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17, and then we'll discuss. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Here's my guess, if I may assume something about you today. I'm guessing that you probably have not had too many people in the church pass judgment on you because of a festival or a new moon type situation. Now, I know that's just a guess, uh, but if I could go a step further, my guess is also that we don't really even understand the idea of passing judgment because of festivals and new moons, right? And, And to be honest, at least... That was definitely the case for me. As I came to this passage, I was thinking, why in the world would you pass judgment because of a new moon? That's not our context, okay? But it was obviously a problem for the Colossians because Paul is taking some time here to address festival judgment. So we should just ask the question, before we understand what he's trying to say, let's just ask, what exactly is Paul talking about? with food and drink and festivals, new moons, and Sabbath following, right? Let's understand that, and then we'll see what he has for us today. So, the short answer with all of this is that all of those things are old Jewish religious practices. So, throughout the Hebrew Bible, which is our Old Testament, it speaks of how God's people needed to live, There were restrictions and guidelines around foods and drinks they could have, which is not the same as many of our restrictions based on intolerances or fad diets. No offense with any of that. That's just what it is. Although I will say that that is probably the one idea mentioned that maybe we do experience judgment on. Maybe you feel judged by more natural food people, or maybe you're in that camp and you feel judged because of it, or regardless, we we get that. But that's not really what Paul's talking about here. It's not how the food and drink affects your stomach. For them, it was really about cleanliness. God's people were set apart with certain foods to be clean. And also, there were some religious days that they were to observe as holidays. So, similar to how we have cultural holidays in our country where people take off from work or we have celebrations so too, God's people were to have certain days that they would worship and enjoy God. So we could really boil verse 16 down to the themes of religious diets and days that the Jews observed. But one more unique note here. It's not just random religious guidelines that are bad. He's not pulling these ones out of the many that he had. The ones that he is mentioning here are specifically tied to the temple and worship. And here is why I think that's important. Think about what the temple was or why the temple was important. 
It was the place in their time to go and meet with the presence of God, where you went to worship him and be near him. And you could only do that at certain times and in certain ways, because we are sinful and unholy people. So because of that, there were certain cleanliness-type laws or certain times that you could enter into God's presence. There were diets and days that made you clean and made God accessible to sinners like us. So, what was happening here for the Colossians is that false teachers were saying that to truly experience God's presence and to worship Him rightly and deeply, we need to keep some of those religious rituals. We still need to be clean based on our diets. We still need to be approaching God on certain days and in certain ways. Or at the very least, even if they weren't teaching that you could only approach God that way, there is a depth to the presence of God that you could experience with those things. And as Christians in Colossae were not doing that, they were being judged for it. So, what is Paul's reasoning then to Christians about why they don't need to be judged or to follow these religious rituals because they're not doing it and he's saying they're getting judgment. So he's saying, hey, don't be judged for this. Well, he says in verse 17, these, speaking of the diets and days, are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, I'm not sure I can oversell the importance of that verse for a lot of different reasons. In fact, let me just repeat it. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. That is powerful for many reasons, but specifically, it is one of the key verses in the entire New Testament that tells us how to read the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is massive. It's a big part of your Bible. And if we're honest, most of us don't really know how to read it. So therefore, this verse is pivotal. And in fact, it's so massive that I'm going to do an entire episode on that verse next. All right, so the next episode we do, um, it's going to be just using that verse to ask the question, how do we read the Old Testament, especially as Christians or in relation to the gospel? So all of that will come in the next episode. But for now, at the core, here is what Paul's saying. There is false teaching saying you can only enter into God's presence for worship through these Old Testament rituals, the diets and days, for example. But he says in verse 17, those were actually only shadows. So think for a moment. What is a shadow? Is it tangible? Does it have its own substance? Does it have a life for a will or a structure of its own? No. It's only real because there is a substance that makes it real. It's a blurry, out of proportion, depending on where the sun is, image of a genuine substance, something that is tangible, that does have a structure of its own or a will maybe of its own. So just think, if you can see outside right now, 
and it's during the day, I want you to notice a shadow. Maybe it's of yourself or of a car or of a building or a tree. Just look at the shadow. That shadow is not you. It's not the building. It's a blurry, out-of-proportion representation that points you to the substance. It's only there because of the substance that is real. Well, Paul's saying these Old Testament laws about needing to be clean and needing to enter into God's presence in a certain way, they're not the substance. They're not ultimate. They are shadows pointing you to something greater, to their substance. And what is that, according to verse 17? The substance belongs to Christ. It is Christ who makes you clean enough to enter into God's presence. It is Christ that opens the gates and availability to God. It is Christ who allows sinners to worship God freely and acceptably. You are not able to be with God because you've observed some temporary cleansing ceremony. You're able to be with God because Christ has once and for all cleansed you. And the goal of history is for God to have sinners come and be back with him. In the Old Testament, sinners could do that through these rituals and shadows temporarily. But forever, eternally, the substance that allows sinners to come into the presence of God is our union with Christ. He is the substance. He is the point. He is what all these things in the Old Testament are pointing to. G.K. Beale puts it this way. He says, Believers should not be required to submit to extraordinary religious practices in order to experience the presence of God, because only faith in Christ is necessary for that. Do you catch that? He says, we shouldn't have to do all these diets and days in order to experience the presence of God. Our faith in Christ has allowed that. Our union with him is what gives us that. So if that's all true, but we need this word because we don't often live in light of that, then let me end with one simple reflection question for you. I want you to ask, where do I tend to turn for acceptance from God? Where do I tend to turn for acceptance from God? It was taught to the Colossians that they needed to observe diets and days to be accepted by God. For most of us, it's probably not that. You're probably not celebrating the new moon, all right? But what do you think you need to do or what certain secondary theologies that you need to adhere to or certain sins that you need to stop or certain healing that you need to undergo, and on and on and on, what is it that you tend to believe that's apart from Christ that you need in order to be accepted by God? If you can come up with something, if something's kind of coming to your mind right now where you tend to turn consistently to make sure that God is good with you, I would encourage you to defeat that lie because it is a lie. We see throughout the whole Bible, we can't get there purely on that alone for eternity. We need something greater that is Christ. So to defeat that lie, I encourage you to memorize the last phrase of verse 17. The substance is Christ. 
That means your relationship with God is built not on that thing that's in your mind, but on Christ. Your acceptance is Christ. Your worship is pleasing through Christ. Your life with God forever is secure in Christ. You can know and be with God through Christ. So whatever it is that maybe has come to mind that you tend to turn to, I pray that you would defeat that lie, that you would repent from that because you would know the substance is greater than the shadows. Anything that is pointing you toward acceptance with God is ultimately and only found in Christ alone. Friends, may God bless you and keep you. May he give you favor, grace, and peace.